As we continue to worship Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4, and no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made, made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of of Melchizedek. Our Father, we come to you as we continue to worship who you are. We are able to worship because of Jesus, our high priest, because of his suffering, because of who he is and what he has already done for us. We can come boldly to this throne and worship you. You are worthy. As we come now, We pray over Pastor Paul. We ask that you will allow us to open up our hearts and our minds as individuals, as a corporate body, that we will allow you to speak to us today. You have a word. Sovereign God, we are here because you appointed us to be here. Thank you for your high priest. Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Yes, it is. I know it was probably a little hard to come in because it's so beautiful outside, (laughs) but you'll be out there soon enough. Um, My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, Chris was gone this weekend preaching at the men's camping retreat, so I have the honor and privilege, yeah, to to get to share a word with you this morning. I want to start off with uh, a picture. It's a picture of a fireplace. It's not a real fireplace. It's one of those electric ones, you know, um, turn on the heater and stuff. And, And then here are the instructions for putting this fireplace together. It's 16 pages. It has uh, over a hundred components to put it together. It's very detailed, and if you don't follow it, as it says, then it won't look like that. Now, how many of you have tried to use just pictures to put something together? Yes, guilty, right? Yes. In fact, I remember just uh, a few years ago when we were trying to put the Playscape together, awesome team of people working to put it together, working hard and fast, and I find these instructions, and I pick it up, and I'm like, it says here that that's supposed to be on that side, and that's supposed to be on, so we had to undo uh, some of the playscape to get it back together, um, and, and uh, yeah, so that was fun, but I, I bring that uh, as an example because, as you know, Chris has been preaching um, on the last chapters on getting the tabernacle together. God has specific instructions, and uh, if you're not careful, because we live in a uh, tick-tock story timeline, we want to microwave our meals and get going, 
if we're not careful, we'll glaze over all the details of uh, the work that God is instructing Moses to do. But it's in those details that you can see God's glorious plan. It's awesome. And so I just want to encourage you, even as we try to cover as much as possible this morning, I want you to spend this week looking at those details and just challenge yourself to see Jesus through all of those details, because it is Path Group's uh, week of rest, but that doesn't mean you don't get together. You still study the Word and spend time with the Lord, um, and I want to encourage you to do that. I love how in the Old Testament Scriptures, when you do that, you see Jesus woven in and through the Scriptures. So let's begin there in chapter 28, and we're going to be talking about the priest's garments this morning. It says there, then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him. So this is God speaking to Moses. Bring your his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ethamar. And ye shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. One of the first two observations that I make in looking at this passage is one, that God calls people specifically, and He calls them for a specific purpose. And God calls you specifically, and He has a specific purpose for you. The other thing that I notice here is that Moses is instructed to look at those that are skillful. And notice these are skilled workers that are not self-made. In fact, we read back there that it says specifically that these are workers who have been filled with the spirit of skill. Now, how many of you are naturally good at math? Uh, natural athletes around here? How many of y'all just really good at putting things together? Yeah. Now, who gave you those skills and abilities? Almighty God. God gave you those things. And so, it's always important for us to remember that those things that we're able to do some of us very effortlessly. It's because God has blessed you with it. We want to give God glory for all our skills and abilities, recognizing that He's the one who has given them to us. Now, when we get into the intricacies of all that's supposed to be put together, you will see that there are so many treasures within these garments, and they're so rich with purpose and splendor. Exodus 28 is where I'm going to start reading through some of these garments, uh, but I have a picture for you to look at, so you can follow along in your Bible, or um, I'm going to, or you can look at the picture as I describe some of these items. It says, these are the garments that they shall make, and I read to you earlier that breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine 
twined linen. So the first garment that we're going to look at is that ephod, um, and then we'll also look at the sash. So the ephod was it's like an apron, and of course it was made of the gold, blue, purple, and scarlet yarns, and then it was held by a woven waistband. It had two main sections, so it had the front and the back parts. And um, as you continue to look at that picture, I'll, I'll read uh, what else or how this was put together. It says, And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and of fine twined linen, skillfully worked. It shall have two shoulder pieces that attach to the two edges. So that's how the front and the back were held together, those shoulder pieces. And the skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it. So it's the same color put around the waist. And it's to be of one piece with it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns of fine twined linen. Now, on the ephod were these two stones, onyx stones, that were to be placed on each side of the shoulders. And on those stones, there was something that was engraved. How many of you know what was engraved on those stones? Well, we're going to read through it. So it says there, you shall take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on the one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone in order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves, so shall you engrave the stones with the names of the sons of Israel. You shall enclose them in the settings of gold filigree, and you shall set the stones, the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod, as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. One of the thoughts of having these names of the 12 tribes on the shoulders of Aaron was that he was to bear the weight of God's people. He was to remember them because he was making an atonement for their sins. Another thing that it reminded me was that God had made a commitment to his people, and this was this remembering. In both of these considerations, you can see the type and shadow of Messiah, who Jesus would too bear the weight of the government on his shoulders. He would bear the weight of our sin. In fact, we can read specifically this prophecy being proclaimed in Isaiah 9-6, where it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As I think about Jesus remembering us I remember the words that I've read that says he would never leave us nor forsake us. And every time that he goes to the throne, for me, I know that he's not going to forget me. And he's not going to forget you, church. Let's look at the next piece of garment. It's the breast piece of judgment. As you look at the picture there, I think we have one of the breast piece. Um, there you go. This is, uh, I'll read to you, beginning in verse 15 of Exodus 28. It says, you shall make a breast piece of judgment in skilled work. In the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns. And fine twined linen shall you make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span in length and a span in breadth. 
You shall set it in four rows of stones. A row of sardis, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row. And the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. So here again, we see the names that are written on the shoulders. Now they're written here. And God is very specific as to what he describes the placement of these stones and where they're located. He says they're to be placed over his heart, over the high priest's heart. So if we look there in Exodus 28, we see Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart. When we go into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord, and in the breastpiece of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. Over his heart was a great reminder to the priests of his solemn responsibility of representing the nation before the living God. And you'll notice that there were also, in addition to these 12 stones, the umum and the thummum that were to be put within that because it's folded, so it's just sitting back there. And there's a lot of thoughts as to the exact nature for which they were used. And we do some, see some situations where they were used to determine God's will. But thinking about Aaron and, and him wearing this breastpiece of judgment, it made me reflect on Jesus' heart and him taking on my judgment. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we have our names written on his heart. Jesus takes on our judgment. In John 5, 24, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Let's look at this next piece here. It's the, it's the robe of the ephod. And it was blue in color, and some say that could represent heaven or, or the law. It contained an opening for the head, and it was made in such a way that it, it wouldn't tear. And some believe that this opening without tearing represented Jesus, who, who exercised his heavenly calling into ministry, and he fulfilled the law perfectly. He was the perfect atonement for our sins. This robe also had bells sewn at the bottom with pomegranates made of yarn in between each of those bells. And in verse 35, it says, It shall be on Aaron where he minister, when he ministers, and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he does not die. God is taking this consecration very seriously. So now let's look at the turban as it's described beginning in verse 36. It says, you shall make a plate of pure gold. So this is the pure gold that's going to be on the forehead of the high priest. It's going to have the engraving, holy to the Lord. And you shall fasten it on the turban by a cord of blue. It shall be on the front of the turban. 
it shall be on Aaron's forehead, and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. So this turban of the high priest was made of white linen, and then it had that gold plate that was engraved with the words holy to the Lord. And Aaron was to bear this guilt from the holy things that people were bringing as a sacrifice, as making, as an offering. And the reason that it had to have this on there is because even though these were sacrifices that were being brought, these offerings were being brought, they still had some iniquity attached to them because they were men. They were from men. And either the imperfection of that offering or the impurity of someone's heart, their motivation, this is what the priest was making holy to bring before the Lord. This high priest, his official holiness would allow him to present the offerings without offending God. As you start to read this and consider it, do you see what Jesus does for us? He brings us before the throne. He cleanses us that we would not be offense to our heavenly Father. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. The beautiful thing is that Jesus, He presents us white as snow. The judgment that was to be placed upon us, He takes. It says here, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For our sake... He made him, that being Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And speaking of righteousness, let's look at that piece of garment that was under all of this. It was white. It's described there in verse 40. For, you, for Aaron's sons, you shall make coats and sashes and caps. You shall make them for glory and beauty. And you shall put them on Aaron your brother and on his sons with him and shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach from the hips to the thighs and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister in the holy place lest they bear guilt and die. This shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. So as we read about these tunics, we notice they're made of a pure and fine linen. And it reminds me of the holiness of Jesus our Lord and the purity that God requires for us to enter into his presence. And these tunics would represent that righteousness required in serving God with a pure heart and also to worship him according to his commands. So just as Aaron was to minister to God and serve his people, Jesus does likewise for us. He presents us white as snow. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So we've had an opportunity now to see the beauty of these intricacies as God describes how he wants these garments to be made. But what is the purpose of these being made? Well, he's moving the 
priests, Aaron and his sons, into this process of consecration. And that's what moves us into chapter 29. It says there, now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. So this process of consecrating Aaron and his sons, they really fell into four main rituals. First, they needed to be washed. Washing was an important step in the purification for the priests to do the service that they were called to do in the tabernacle. Washing with water symbolized that spiritual cleansing, the preparation necessary before entering into God's presence. And the second thing that they did was they were to be clothed with the garments. We see that in in verses 5 and 6. Thirdly, they were to be anointed with oil, symbolizing that cleansing of sin. It was an outpouring of God's divine grace. And then fourth, they were to perform the sacrifices. Now, this is where it gets messy. In verses 10 through 11, we read the slain of the bull is to take place, but only after the priests place their hands on its head. This gesture, it shows that the animal is being designated as their substitute. And then blood is poured out in various altars, various areas of the altar. So this is getting pretty, pretty messy. And then in verse 15, the first ram is sacrificed. It's cut into pieces and it's offered as a burnt offering, all of it up on the altar. And it's recognized as a sweet aroma unto the Lord. Then the second ram is killed, and we see some very specific instructions that are given by God. Let's look at those together in Exodus 29, beginning in verse 19. It says, You shall take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram and take part of its blood and put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and on the tips of the right ears of his sons, and on the thumb of their right hands and on the great toes of their feet, and then throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil, and you shall sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and his sons' garments with them. He and his garments shall be holy and his sons and his sons' garments with him. You see, those garments really, as beautiful as they were, They really weren't holy until the shedding of blood had to take place. As you continue to look through uh, this picture, you can see that the blood that was placed on the ear and the thumb and the foot, it it symbolized that they were entirely under the blood that atoned for sin. Does it remind you of someone, church, who has covered us with his blood? Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. As you continue to look through this chapter in the upcoming week, I want you to notice the specific work that gets done because you know what? It's not just done one time. This is not a one-time event for Aaron and his sons. God is very serious about this process of consecrating these men to minister to Him. In fact, after day one is complete, they get to do it all over again. 
Not just two or three times. How many times does he do it? Seven. What does seven mean? Perfection, right? Who is the perfect atonement for our sins? Jesus. The word consecrate, it literally means to fill one's hand, and which we see through this ordination process, there's the filling of the priest's hands at various times. So you see, this, was, this wasn't an afterthought by God to demonstrate how he sees sin. Can you imagine being Aaron or, or one of his sons, the precise steps that needed to be taken, that fear of dying if you did something wrong? It must have been a very tedious process for them. But the reward that came from it, it was worth it. And let's read together what, what reward I'm talking about. Exodus 29, beginning in verse 42, says, It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I meet with you to speak to you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel, and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So my question is, how many of you would like for the Lord to meet you where you are? How many of you, you want to hear from God? God can meet you where you are, and God speaks to you. The question I have, though, is are you willing to minister to the Lord? Are you ready to minister to His people? Have you been washed by the blood of Jesus? Have you placed your faith in Him as Lord and Savior? That's the first step. And for those of us who have, we are called a royal priesthood. That's why I'm wearing purple today. Just a reminder, a royal priesthood. First Peter chapter 2 reminds us of this truth. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that amazing? You know, I've been walking with the Lord for a little over 20 years now. And uh, when that veil was removed, I saw some sin. But every time that I moved into a role with a little bit more responsibility, I saw more sin. Um, And I realized that you know, with every single step of serving the Lord, He was also showing me my heart. In fact, I remember it's been a little over six years now that I stepped into that pastoral role that I have the honor and privilege to get to serve you here. And uh, I remember about six months into it, uh, Jonathan came up to me and said, so how's it going? And I said, not very good. And he's like, why? And I said, well, because I like people less. That's sad, right? <laughs> I'm probably laughing because you've experienced that. But as I walked away from that, I was really troubled in my heart because I thought there's something wrong. There's something wrong here. 
And Jesus, I remember him ever so gently showing me, well, Paul, you've been loving people who love you, but now I'm showing you how to love people who are hard to love. And when I think of, when I think of the, the breast piece, and I think of those names that are written on the shoulders, that burden, it just felt very heavy. The names that the Lord has given to you of people that you um, struggle with, they have that same issue, they're coming back to you with it, and it can feel very, very heavy. I think about how those names, the next step, the next piece that God says is, I want you to put those names here. And that's what he calls us to do. As a priesthood of believers, we need to take that burden and we need to love those people that are difficult to love. And we need to give them to the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your son Jesus. What an honor it is, Lord, for us to be called a royal priesthood. Lord, forgive us for taking that title lightly. Forgive us for keeping those names on our shoulders and trying to burden that, that pain, those trials, those frustrations. Forgive us for doing that as if we can do it in our own strength and not placing those circumstances, those people on our hearts because that's where you reside, Jesus, and you take those things, you bring them before our Heavenly Father. And we have the honor of getting to do that, the privilege of getting to do that. Forgive us for our grumbling, Lord. Help us to serve you with love and compassion. Help us to go back into the mess to do it all over and over and over again, knowing, knowing, God, that's where you meet us. That's where you'll meet them. So we bless you, and we thank you for that reminder. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, we're going we're gonna to respond in song uh, to what we've heard. If you want to stand and worship, great. If you want to sit and pray, great. If you want to kneel at your chair, if you want to come to this altar, um, he has made us a priesthood of believers, but he is our high priest. And he intercedes for us before the Father. And so let's have a time, a moment with our Savior this morning, our, our high priest who loves us to the point of the cross.
run to him again and again and again this week. Whenever something comes up, a sin or a person that you're struggling, run to him. Run to him. Um, I want to remind you of the marriage night coming up this Friday. I hope you can make it. And there's a table outside to sign up for night in Bethlehem. If you want to participate and bless our community in that way. We love you, church, so much. You're dismissed.